Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. everybody welcome into the college chaos podcast i'm garrett ross alongside my man jack mckenzie and you and we appreciate you tuning in whether it is live or going back and checking us out on youtube or wherever you get your podcast apple spotify and all that jazz uh man we've had an interesting week in college football the big 12 is completely drunk at this point um man it's uh i honestly think the big 12 is in a situation man where the Big 12 is drunk. It is drunk. Dude. Outside of one game, I'm sitting here being like, these are the most sober results we could have gotten. I, I know, but like, okay, so what I mean by that is right now you have a five way tie for first place. Okay, yeah, maybe it's a little okay, drunk. Okay, you have a five way <laughs> tie for first place. You have six teams within half a game of 500. And then you have the new kids coming in that are sitting there at the bottom with Baylor. It's, it's, I think the parody, like we knew that that was the big thing, right? That's what this this conference is really going to hang its hat on going forward, especially when Texas and Oklahoma leave. You had the new teams coming in, was going to be the parody across the board. And obviously, I think Utah can make a case that they feel like they're going to come in and try to run things. I'm really looking forward to watching them and K State like become a rivalry because they're so damn similar in how they run their programs. But yeah, man, like right now coming into the season. We were thinking what it was, it was, I know we had Texas in the title game, right? And yep. I had tech. I can't remember who you had. I had Kansas state. Yeah. Kansas state. So that's still Which holding. I started feeling pretty bad about there for a second. And you should, man. Like when you lose some of the games they did early on, you're like, what the heck is happening? And then you had Will Howard get hurt. You I bring mean, in. look at it now. And you're like, okay, Missouri's really not bad. No. Oklahoma state. That was the first sign that they had figured it yes. out was beating Kansas state. Yes. I thought it was an aberration, but it's not. No. So, yeah, now we're looking at, like, so we've mentioned Texas, Kansas State. Now we mentioned Oklahoma State. The only other two teams that I feel like have a realistic shot, even though there's another one we could add, are OU and Kansas. See, Kansas is 3-2. and two, so I right, know, I know. Yeah. Which means I am forgetting a 4-1 and one team in conference, Iowa State. Iowa State. Yes. So, but, like, right now, I was, I was thinking about this. So, I feel like this weekend is – this upcoming weekend is going to be crucial, and we're going to learn the future. I think we're going to learn after this weekend if the Big 12 played itself out of having any teams qualify for the playoff. Because Kansas State's heading into Austin, and I think that's a game that the Wildcats can win. I think that's, it's, it's pretty early to say that. 
simply because the two teams with the best record in the league are the two biggest brands, and they both only have one loss. Yeah, but that I think both of them after this weekend will have two. Now that's that's a bridge we'll have to cross when we get there. Yes. But we might as well talk about it now because, I mean, hey, there's every chance that they both have another loss coming out of this weekend. One yes. has Bedlam, their rivalry game that they're leaving behind, yes. and they have to go play on the road for it. And Ollie Gordon, man, like he, I, I, I still, I don't understand the why it took so long to get him rolling. Um, when you like, because when we were coming into the season, we were talking about Oklahoma State. Looking at their roster, I was like, okay, well, you have Ollie Gordon, who's really good, and then you have Presley, and that was about it. That was the only thing because we knew the situation with Bowman. He's 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 a serviceable. He's a game manager, right? And he's doing a good job of that. He's really efficient at doing that. Um, but yeah, so I, I just I was kind of weird to see how long it took the them in Stillwater to get things clicking and rolling. But once they figured out their bread and butter, I mean, they become a, a threat. And then their schedule after Bedlam, you get Houston, UCF, and what is it, Cincy or I BYU? Mean, BYU, like they should literally run through all of them. We knew going into the year they had one of the softest schedules in the Big Twelve. Um, frankly. I think we'd be looking at their season a hell of a lot differently if they just did not get blown the crap out by South Alabama at home. Yes. Because like that that's that's a five alarm fire right there. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think there's two other ways to put it. It's just I do think that they struggled early with one, not wanting to put a crap ton of early carries on a back who I don't think they truly believe they had like any playoff aspirations, which meant non-conference meant nothing if they believed they could get six conference wins. Right. And that's I think that was kind of like the the um the mind games of Mike Gundy in a way, right? Like he realized the situation. He knew everybody was sleeping on them. And that's kind of why he just kind of played with his roster, tinkered around in the non-con and then used it to figure exactly. it out. Exactly. It's yeah. It was it at this point it almost feels like it had to be tinkering around. Otherwise, definitely. Otherwise, it's like Gundy didn't know, and then all of a sudden he figured it out, which is a little more beyond See, belief because Gundy's been doing this for so long. And that's the thing, like that's where I struggle with Mike Gundy because it's like he is. I know he's a really good coach, right? And I understand the 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 streak speaks for itself, but it, it's the hurdles of Oklahoma State to me. They, they get so close at times to winning the Big 12 championship or, or even just sniffing the playoff or getting – and then they find they'll lose some random-ass game to somebody and they find themselves in, like, the Texas Bowl or whatever. And it's like, okay. I feel like this could be a year where that happens to them. I think it could too. I, like, I, could, I can easily see this team making it to Arlington, especially since they have the tiebreaker with Kansas State. Yes. Um, and then just losing that game. I don't know if it would be heartbreaking like the last time, but. Well, here's the deal because, all right, so if that's the case, who do you think? All right, so I think, because I really do, I think that Oklahoma State right now, if they get past Bedlam this week, have the easiest path to make it to Arlington. I would not yes. be surprised if the Pokes are playing I, for I don't the Big think 12 that's championship. A question. Okay, so on the flip side, who do you see them playing? Would it be, does it come down to, because to me it comes down to this game between Texas and Kansas State. I think the winner of that game goes to, um, Arlington in place of the Big 12 championship. And I think that's where you get in a situation where, because I feel like Kansas State will beat Texas. I, I do. And I feel like that's going to put the horns 
and the Big 12 to bed with the college football playoff, and then you have a situation where you have Kansas State and Oklahoma State playing for the Big 12 championship. My issue is that Kansas State still has a matchup at Kansas. Yes, yes, I, I yes. There is a yes. There is a decent chance Kansas drops another, which opens the door for Texas because Texas has the Red River win, which means they 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 top it's OU so- if they're both at two losses. Um, the The real thing is, what happens if there's a three way tie between Kansas, Texas, and OU? Ooh, um, for that second spot, that would be incredible, but. I don't, I, I don't know what the odds of that are because you're asking Kansas State to beat Texas, who, yes, they, sh- they should be on their backup quarterback, Malik Murphy. Um, right. But it's still down in Austin, and Texas still has more skill position talent. They're playing good defense. They've got a hell of a defensive line. Oh, yeah, like, the defensive yeah. line versus offensive line matchup for Kansas, State, Kansas State's O-line, like that, that'll be... If you want to watch high-quality trench football, like yeah, it should just, be there. But. Yeah, it, it just looking at that, it, it's a cluster, and it's going to be yeah. interesting to see because if it if if we see both Red River teams lose this weekend, mm. the Big Twelve is about to get crazy. And yes, they are li- they are likely out of the playoff right. at that point. No, I, I really do. I, I think they are going to end up out of the playoff, um, and that's the that's the risk. Well, I think that's when the Big Twelve will be. They'll benefit from the 12 team playoff going to expand it because if it was going to stay four, I think you would see this be the same thing over and over and over again with the Big 12. Uh, so that's definitely going to benefit them. I but will it, say it's not like what what conference is going to step up and get multiple bids. Like I think the Big Ten's in the best position because right now, and I, I know how strong the top of the Pac 12 has been, but I'm looking at an undefeated Washington team that's looked like sick. They, yeah. they looked sick. I, I honestly think from what I've seen on like Reddit that people are claiming that there is a bug or something running through the whole campus out at UW. Ugh. And frankly, it would explain a lot if that's what has been up with Washington these past couple of weeks, but they've got a trip to USC this week. I don't think that's going to be a problem, dude. Like I, I have lost all faith in USC. I think they wa- put up 15 points on Arizona state. I don't care. 15. I don't care. You have a Heisman contending. You're supposed to have Heisman contending quarterback, and you can only put up 15. Yeah, but I I get that. I do. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is absolutely a USC win. Don't get me wrong. There, mm-hmm. it just scares me, and it scares me for the Pac-12 I see, because I, then you're going to have one of Oregon and Washington have two losses. Yes, They're, you're not getting into the playoff like that. I don't think. I so right. All right, hold on. Because let's see here. I think you would because also Oregon has to play Oregon State still. I think Oregon is. Cl- I think Oregon has found their sea legs I after think, that. I think loss. they should win that game. Yes. Don't do not get me wrong, but a rivalry game at the end of the year is nothing to scoff at. No, I, it, all right. Also, ultimately, what you're saying with all this is the pack would have they would have no chance of two teams, right? The Big Ten would have two yes, teams. They would the have SEC two teams. Would have one team, and, and then you're looking at Florida, Florida State, State probably. But there's still some like. I think Oregon finds a way to get in. Honestly, I, I think Oregon wins out. And if they even rematch, if it's possible for them to rematch with Washington, I think they beat Washington. Like, like at that point, it, it's ACC versus Pac-12, right. two Big Tens, and the SEC. Yeah, and then I think no, because if they, because if it gets comes down to that, honestly, I feel like the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, would x out the one team there, and you would end up with essentially Georgia if they went out, which more than likely they are. One loss, Oregon. One loss, Florida State. One loss, Ohio State. 
who's in. That's the conversation I'm looking at here. Ohio State has the best resume right now. In all likelihood, they'll be number one tomorrow. So you're, so you're talking about one one loss Ohio State after beating Michigan? After losing to Michigan. After losing? That would be – okay. Um, Aren't they undefeated right now? Yeah, because they beat Penn State. Um, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, are you really going to tell me that they're going to hold out one loss Ohio State with their resume versus Pac-12 champ, one loss Oregon, and ACC champ, one loss Florida State? I don't know where Florida State's one loss was coming from. But, like, to beat out one loss Ohio State who doesn't make the Big Ten title game, right? you're going to have to be at least a one-loss conference champ. Possibly you're going to have to be an undefeated conference champ. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I that, think that is, one-loss Ohio State is the highest bar and they're going to get the pass. Clear. Yeah. Now, one-loss Michigan is not as high of a bar. So, like, you're you're probably looking at the game at, at the end of the regular season being like, we're about to see how high of a bar a conference champion is going to have to clear right. to make the playoff. No, that's fair. So I, I think you're you're in a situation with that where you could be the Big 12 and the Pack on the outside looking in, which that's been the consistent theme throughout this whole course of the four team playoff in general. But the, both of them team, both of those conferences will always find themselves on the outside looking in. Yep. Um, so as far as this past weekend in the Big 12, how we got to this point where yeah. you have this cluster of teams, you had Oklahoma roll in to uh, Lawrence, and the Jayhawks rock. Chalk Jayhawk are able to knock off Oklahoma. Um, I would like, I, I'm really surprised. Like, Oklahoma has struggled. They haven't looked great. I feel like they emptied their clip against Texas and they've been trying to find that magic ever since that game. Like, the way that game started in Kansas, you had Dylan Gabriel throwing the pick six and then you had the storm delay. And it was just like a, and Oklahoma's defense to me, when when you hurt because they've struggled tackling like I know Stutzman is good at the linebacker position but overall that that defense is still got a ways to go they have a lot of young talent to and to get to where Brent Venables wants to get them but that's the kind of the Achilles heel for them and when you knew the weather situation you knew that uh, you have guys like Neil and them for Kansas who could run the rock I thought that kind of created a little more parity in this game but ultimately I didn't think Kansas without Jalen Daniels is going to be able to beat them yeah. but hats off to them for doing that I think it was. Absolutely, and I don't say this lightly because Venables is a very damn good coach. Oh, yeah. I think he got out coached. Leipold, I, I, I like, think Leipold's the best. Him and Kleiman have an argument for the best co coaches in the Big Twelve. I think they are the best coaches in the Big Twelve. I, I, the only reason I would say like argument is because you got, have to throw Gundy think, in there. I think they've got. I think they both have arguments for being top ten coaches nationally. Oh hell yeah! It, if not top five, especially for what they're having to how they are navigate. The, like the everything they're dealing the resource with. disparity yes. t between them and the actual top programs. Oh, it's unreal. Like the bang for the buck that they are getting for two programs in the state of Kansas. Yes. Like, yes, it, a it, basketball state. It, it's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. Um, I will, I will say, um, like, just the offensive play calling and the willingness to be experimental and just how much. They embrace their personnel at Kansas, where they're like, we don't necessarily have the best offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't have bad ones. We don't have the best ones. We don't like. We are running a backup QB who is like uh, he has track star speed, but he's still our backup. So we're gonna lean on this and that. We're gonna have to find ways to scheme guys open. We're gonna use unorthodox plays where we motion our quarterback back in from being out wide in a wildcat set, hand the ball off to him, and then he'll 
bootleg back out and throw it. Like stuff like that. It's just you're trying to find every way to get an advantage. It is to me, it's a clinic in a coach finding every which way he can to have his guys prepared and get an advantage without overdoing it. He doesn't rely on it. It's a nice little quirk, but he has so many of them that they're ready to execute. But here's the thing with that, though. To, to me, when I think about that, and those are all great points, but I think that's how they coach because that's what they were doing at the D3 level when they were winning natties. Like, that's just regular. That's how they coach, you know? And then you bring that philosophy, that mindset, and you have better talent then that it, I'm not I think saying it just like goes, that's a one-off this week. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I yeah, think that's what like, makes them that's unique. That's what they are. That's what that, they are. That's they what I'm trying to say. It. Like, yeah. I, it's cool I'm as hell. I'm amazed by it. I love watching it. Like, I almost want to adopt Kansas football at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's not like, oh, because they're an underdog who's winning. It's like, honestly, Kansas basketball annoys me enough to make me want their football <laughs> yes. to lose. Yes. It's just like, when you watch something like that, you want to watch more of it. Yeah. It is entertaining. It's college. It that's fun. the greatness it's college of college football. football. Yes, yes. Like I, I don't know another way to put it. Uh, boy, and the camera went dark on oh, us. But anyway, yeah, another big game that I, I was you had you had picked West Virginia and I took UCF. That's one that I regretted. And when we went back on our picks, we were like. We always go through and say, "Is there a game that you would like to change?" That was one that really stood out to me. Um, UCF has been so disappointing to me this year. Like I knew that there would be hurdles. I, I, I understand that, but I thought they would come in and be better than what they are. Um, um, I mean, let's look at their season with a realistic, yes, realistic point of view. You lose your quarterback, definitely. That's brutal. And your backup, he's solid. He he was a solid group of five starter. I don't think he was like an amazing group of five starter at no. USF. So coming over now, he's up a he's up a level, yeah. and they couldn't cope. They, the thing is, they've been very close to winning a lot of their games. Honestly. Yeah. Like, outside, well, their run defense is what's costing them. Yes. Outside of Kansas, like, what games have they been out of? None, really. I mean. They should have beat Baylor. Yes. They had every chance of beating OU. Yeah. And when you look at the score of, of this West Virginia game, take into account the terrible game that Plumlee played. That's why they lost. Like, honestly, they might have won that game with McLean. Do you think they should have kept, like, do you think Plumlee's 100% yet? I don't know. But, I mean, look at his first interception. Mm-hmm. Freak, freak play. Like, that should have just been caught by his receiver. Right. So, I don't blame him on that one. Um, the one that he threw, the one that he threw, uh, I think it was his third one, absolutely blame on him. Um the second one, I believe, was the long one that just looked like he couldn't get it there. Right, He should have eaten that. I blame him for throwing that ball, but it wasn't necessarily like a terrible read. He just should not have thrown it. Yeah. Like, bad decision, not necessarily bad read. Bad read on the third one. And then a fumble. Like, So I don't think those are necessarily injury-related turnovers. Mm-hmm. I think those are like maybe it's rust-related turnovers, not being up to speed. Could be. But that's the most I will associate with them with the injury. So, like, I think it was a bad game from your starting quarterback. Yeah. If you don't have his worst game of the year, then you're really in this one. I mean, every time I was looking at, because I, I could only find West Virginia's highlights yeah. from it. Every time there was a turnover, I was like, wait, but they're like down three. Right. So, it, it they spaced it out at the end. That's how they got the scoreline they had. 
this game was a lot closer than it should have been, frankly. But, like, West Virginia was running the ball fairly at will. They were getting 5.7 yards per carry. Not not amazing. Not no. terrible at all by any means. But UCF was actually matching that number. Well, they have good backs. UCF has. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a matter of them not having good backs. It's like everything I'm looking at is like when you watch the highlights, it's like, oh, man, they can't stop West Virginia's run. But West Virginia wasn't stopping them. They were just getting turnovers. Right. The turnovers is what killed them. UCF is not terrible, terrible. No, they I'm not saying found, they're terrible. They have found ways to lose games. Yeah, this year. that's what's been disappointing to me because I think Gus Malzahn, it, his resume to me speaks for itself. He's a hell of a coach, and they're going to be fine because they're recruiting their ass. And I know, go ahead, because you don't believe you don't agree with that, right? Because of the, some of the he's made some bonehead no, no, ass no, calls. I agree. I agree. With what I'm saying is like I'm looking at this, and I'm like outside of the Baylor game, which like having that big of a collapse, yeah, like. That falls on everyone. Everyone. Every other loss, I'm like, man, I could probably just chalk that up to execution. Like, that's not on Gus. That's that's like that's where Gus can turn it around recruiting wise and just be or like he's already like oh. just be like, look, we don't have the guys who are executing at a high enough level. Yeah. You think you can be one of those guys? Get on over to Orlando. Yeah. No, I think they're going so, to be like, fine. I, I think, think they are. I just I've fact, been kind I would of... not be surprised if they're a candidate for like the biggest turnaround next year. Oh yeah. Because of how much they're underperforming record-wise this year compared to like the way they're actually playing. Right. I would agree with that. I have to completely agree with that. Uh, other games on the docket, you had Texas just obliterating BYU. I, I didn't think BYU had a chance in this one. But the fact that they were just held to six, like that's pretty impressive by Texas' defense. Um, Which is also why I don't think it's a foregone conclusion Kansas State goes into Austin next week and wins. I just I, I think the matchup, man, with Kansas State and Texas, I think they match up really well with them. Um, if Texas has to chase the game, I feel better. Right. But if Texas jumps out, I'm not saying Kansas State can't catch up. I just feel better about it throwing Texas off balance mm. with a backup quarterback if That's they fair. have to chase the game. Right. So no, I agree with that. I agree with that. But yeah, Texas steamrolls BYU. Iowa State, the other team in the mix right now, I think to me, when I look at this team, they are the, in my opinion, they are the worst team at four and one in the Big 12. I just like, dude, I, I, I can't put much into what they did to against Baylor. Baylor's bad. Yep. Um, Rocco Bet is not that good of a quarterback. Eli uh, Sanders is, I mean, he's, he's good, but he's not like a game changer at running back. I don't know how many of these four and one teams or frankly even the three and two teams Iowa State couldn't run the ball on like they need I don't either to, to to support a quarterback at the level of Beck so I think they're gonna find themselves I think that over the next couple of weeks let's see they have Kansas I think Kansas can beat Iowa State that's in Ames though and that's a game at night in Ames that's that's always weird but I think Kansas is playing better. I think, honestly, I think this is a game where you see that flip and Kansas jump Iowa State and make a case as one of the topper te top teams in uh, Iowa State finds themselves in the middle of the pack. Then you go to that's BYU. A, that, that's a Big 12 elimination game. Yeah, it really Kansas. is. Because, like, I can easily believe that the second team in the in the Big 12 title game would have two losses. Mm. Three losses is a, is a, is done. a bridge yeah. too far for me. No, I think so, you're going to see two teams in the Big 12 title game with two losses. I think that's what it's going to play out. I'm not convinced of that, but I think someone's going to make it. I think someone's going to go undefeated the West the rest of the way. I'm not sure who that is, but I think someone's going to go undefeated. The if rest it is, of the way. it's going to be Oklahoma State. I, I really believe that. If Oklahoma State could get Oklahoma past State Oklahoma, Oklahoma State absolutely has the easiest path to it. But 
it's not like Oklahoma Oklahoma has a tough path. I mean, no, they at, don't. Looking at their schedule, it's West Virginia at BYU and TCU. West Virginia is the toughest one on there in oh, my book. Yeah. Like, I don't think TCU has their their crap together this year. I mean, they've got it more than a lot of other schools in the Big Twelve. But um, yeah, but yeah. So I do think Oklahoma State has the easier schedule. So it's pretty much whoever wins that. I think they're making it there with only one lot. Like I do think the winner of Bedlam is going undefeated the rest of the way. Uh, I, I can see that. I'll, I'll agree with that. I'm mean, there's that's really, I mean, yeah, I can't really argue that. So, I mean, that's also kind of an elimination game with open in Bedlam essentially, right? No, you don't think so? No. Oklahoma state loses and they, they're still feeling pretty good to be at two losses there at the end. True. Yeah, because then they lose that, then they, they can still and, run the table. Yeah, and they didn't play Texas, so you don't have a head-to-head tiebreaker there. They've got the head-to-head tiebreaker with Kansas State. Yes. God, yeah, the Big 12's drunk, dude. This is so <laughs> – Like, the Big 12 and the tiebreakers for the championship game are going to be insane. Do you – all right, so, here, so this is a situation this year, and it, it's going to be the case going forward where do you like the Big 12 going away from – everybody playing each other because you don't necessarily have... You just can't. Like, yeah, I know you can't like feasibly, but I know people in Big 12... It. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I, I love... I am a small conference proponent. I am like, have 10-team conferences, play everyone, play nine conference games, get a rematch in the title game, and that should sort itself out. Right. Like, the two best teams should be playing the title game every year if you play everyone in the conference. And... And you know what? If if it's not the two best teams, well, then it's the two teams who most deserved it because right. they earned it. And then they go get to have a rematch to say, like, okay, no, for real, who is better? No, all, I get all, that. All like the way the Big Twelve was at ten teams was amazing as far as structure of a conference. Right. I am sad to see everyone in college football just be like, <laughs> no, to that. Uh, also, it lended itself amazingly to college basketball. Double it round did. robin. Yeah. So like, like, yeah. That's where it, you're it, more it, sad. I know that's where you're more sad of going away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that as we transition out of football season. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there'll be a nice little dead period before the Bulls, where we can really dive into some basketball, and we will we'll have that stuff over on the College Basketball Channel yeah. that uh, the 365 Sports family has. Um, but getting back to this, as far as like. How do you think the Big 12 will navigate being at 16 teams mm-hmm. next year? I have no idea. What I what I would love to see is like what what was it the the like 335 yeah schedule. I think that's a pretty solid one. I think everybody should adopt or was mid, it what the Big 10 did. I mean that that I think they figured out the best way to schedule people. You say when there's a chance of like a four-way tie for the next couple of years. In the Big 10? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess there could be. I haven't really thought about that. But like, I like their schedule model, like, though. Like at, at the end of the day, like, yes, it, it's – all of this is cool. We just haven't seen it in practice, so we, we haven't, like, lived through the, like oh, – I think no, it's going to take a couple of years, and then it'll work its way out. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, I, it will be interesting to see how teams get paired up and if they make anything outside of, like, the Holy War permanent mm-hmm. – I don't know how many matchups in this new Big 12 are like, this has to happen every year. In football, I know Kansas State feels a bigger rivalry with Iowa State because Kansas has been bad for so right. long. Um, Baylor-TCU is probably like the second biggest rivalry 
in the in the new conference. Yeah, I think they're going to make every team in Texas play each other, and then you. Or try maybe not to, second biggest, like Arizona, Arizona State, and that's BYU, de- and Utah. BYU, Utah. That's the one. Like yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like, man, there's there's not like a lot of rivalries where I'm like this has to happen. Yeah, I'm sure I could fill up Kansas State slate right now with like Iowa State, Kansas, and Colorado, but I don't know like I don't know how everyone feels right. about all these things. So. That'll be interesting to see how like they decide at least if not permanent opponents they'll like for these next four years these are the ones you're gonna play every yeah. year or whatever whatever the model is I just it will suck when and I'm going to say when when like conference title game mm-hmm. comes down to okay but this team scored more points right like that. To me, that's lame. That takes a little, yeah. Like, yes, I love watching a high-scoring game of football. Do not get me wrong. But if you get to the same record playing bruisem, slow, grinded-out mm. football, why should you be punished for finding a different way to do things than score more points? Right. So like, take, take the Iowa person. <laughs> like, how much do we talk about Iowa? I know. A good bit. I know. It's crazy. They are an abomination to offense. <laughs> Always. And Always. yet, we cover them. We laugh. We have fun with it. That like That's part of what makes college football right. awesome is the variety of, of, of ways to, to, to do it. Yeah. So, like, when you have even point differential, mm. I still feel like that favors teams that score more. Yeah. Because I could blow a team out. But it would be like what twenty to nothing if I'm Iowa. Versus, yeah, if you're lucky. Versus a twenty-eight point blowout for a team that scores more, but absolutely gives up more on defense. Yeah. Like, okay, they score more. They scored an extra touchdown. You got a kick return at the end of the game because you've got a better, like, better group right. of skill players, something like that. You know, like, yeah. It just it lends itself to the higher scoring teams, no matter if you use point differential points for. So I I don't know what else you could use, mm-hmm. like. At this point, it's almost like, can you develop some kind of like ELO ranking system? But then you have to reset that every year. Yeah. Which I don't believe that's conducive to an ELO ranking system. I believe that has to have like so many games played. So my, my point is like, I think everyone's going to find out very quickly in the next two years as these conferences have gotten big enough for right. it that while divisions suck in their own right, not having divisions it's gonna be is going to be better for matchups worse for tiebreakers and everyone's going to realize how bad the tiebreakers are right but it's not going to send conferences back to a smaller size anyway i feel like i went on for like five minutes there i i liked it it was fun all right so we're going to take a break here when we come back we're going to get into some of the other storylines from around the the nation this past weekend also look ahead at some of the upcoming games you have a great slate of games coming up in week 10 and a little heisman talk we'll do that as well you're listening to the college chaos podcast Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and we are going to look around the nation at some of the other games that unfolded, some of the funny storylines that came out of this past weekend as well. Some of the big matchups coming up in Week 10 after a what was an um, – it was kind of a letdown of a week as far as games compared to last week, and then heading into this week, we are going to make up for that. But a game that you and I picked, Jack, was – Oregon and Utah, and mm-hmm. 
I think we both took the Ducks. I definitely took the Ducks. Definitely took the Ducks. I just, the way that they just absolutely obliterated Utah to me was kind of shocking. Um, I thought Utah's defense would hold up a little better um, against, and I know Bo Nix is cold. Like, they are really, really good. But just seeing the way Utah has played all year long in their defense, I thought they would do a better job of kind of holding the Ducks at bay. Are you surprised of how the way Oregon was able to take control and just ride to that 35-6 to win? I mean, yes and no. Like, the sixth part of that win doesn't really surprise me. Like, their offense has not been in good shape. Mm-hmm. I don't know no, any other way to all. put it. Now, did I think their defense could hold them to, like, 27, 28? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how much different this conversation should be if Oregon scored one fewer touchdown. Like, so I guess I'm going with no. It's not shocking. Right. I, I think that it could have been closer if Oregon had, like, made more mistakes, but they didn't. Yeah. So, I like... I don't know. Just, I don't want to sound like, oh yeah, I knew, because I didn't know. Right. But this doesn't shock me. Yeah. It really doesn't shock me, because one team is the Pacific Iowa, <laughs> and yeah. and the other is like, I don't even know, like the Pacific. I don't know LSU or something. Dude, they're off. Yeah, LSU's offense cold. But uh yeah. like, like, you know what I'm no, saying? I, yeah, like, I get it. Defense has some question marks, but when they show up, like yeah, shoot, they're hard to beat. Good luck. Yeah. Uh another game that in this one I'm not really surprised of. Uh, there was a lot of talk going into the cocktail party. Uh you had Georgia. I it, I didn't think that Florida could beat them by any means, but I thought Florida would do have a better game that they did they jumped out to a 7-0 lead and then just watched the dogs absolutely cruise past them with 36 straight points the way they're playing right now Georgia without Brock Bowers is pretty impressive Carson Beck continues to get better each week and the reason I want to bring this up is is when you look ahead to this week uh, some of the better games across the nation one of them I was like I thought he said we're talking about this upcoming no no, yeah because one of well yeah because one of them is Mizzou at Georgia and Mizzou has been, I think they've exceeded expectations um, all year long. Um, and it really started to me with that win over K-State. But at the same time, I feel like there's only two teams on Georgia's schedule that have a chance of pushing them in the regular season. And it's going to be this week against Mizzou. And then it's going to be Ole Miss in a couple of weeks. If it's going to be a week, it's going to be this week. I have no faith in Ole Miss. None whatsoever? Why should I? I mean, I think Ole Miss is... They are, yeah, I get it because, I mean, Kirby is significantly better coach than Lane Kiffin, but I just feel like Ole Miss has proven that they can beat, they, I mean, they beat LSU, but that was just a piss-poor matchup. You don't think Ole Miss can even push Georgia? Not at all? There is nothing about their balance or their style of play. I, I say balance because I don't think they have balance. No, it's just pretty much Quinchon. It, it's just Quinchon, and it's just we have to outscore you. And I don't think that Georgia's defense is going to let what happened to LSU happen to them. Right. Like, I I just, I don't, I also don't think it's a game that Georgia will overlook in any way. I think that enough people are like, man, Ole Miss is probably one of the, one of the last teams on their schedule. They're going to make an example out of them. 
yeah, I'm. I don't think it's going to go well for Mizzou either. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. But there's something about Mizzou where I feel like they're cooking, they're having a good year. They caused problems for Georgia last year. And while Georgia should be absolutely ready for the way that they caused them problems last year, I just think that possibly Drink has a better grasp of how to compete in a head-to-head matchup in a mm-hmm. single given week right. with Georgia than Kiffin does. No, that's fair. I, I, I would I would agree with that. There are times where I feel like Kiffin gets either too caught up in we're going to try and attack this specific thing or we're going to do what we do best and he doesn't find the middle ground of mixing it all right. together to to just be like, okay, well, they're really focusing on that, so we're going to counter with this, and they're focusing on that. Not like he can't counter. Just like there's something about Kiffin where I feel like Overthinks he gets hyper-fixated yeah. and overthinks. Yeah. And I just think that Drink is probably a bit more balanced of coach. Yeah. Okay. Either way, I don't think I think George is getting through the regular season undefeated. Another game this coming week that I Clemson, man, like we knew the wheels were falling off, but to watch them fall to the way it has gone has been really remarkable. Like they don't have any identity. They have no playmakers. K Clubnick looks completely lost and like he's not getting properly developed. Um I don't know what the hell the future is for Dabo. I, I I just to see this program be four and four is mind blowing to me. And then you have a Notre Dame team coming into Death Valley, the fake Death Valley this weekend. I dude, I think this is a situation where Notre Dame just curb stomps beats the hell out of them in a similar fashion to what they did with USC. Like what do you what do you think? Can Clemson, is there any hope of them getting this thing back, not on the back on the rails this year, but like going forward and getting people to buy in? Like, what are your thoughts on Dabo and the future of Clemson? My first thing right now is they are by no means anywhere near a lock to make a bowl game. They've no. got Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, they should win. That should be Georgia Tech just win. coming off an of upset. Like, Haynes King just balled out. So, Georgia Tech should be a win for Clemson. Yeah. But then they have North Carolina and, and they're South Carolina, which is a, a rivalry game, and neither team looks good this year, no. which means I think it's another all-bets-are-off kind of game. Like, There are none of these games where I'm just like, absolutely, they should crush them. Right. And they're sitting at four wins with four games left. They have to win half of them to make a bowl game. Yeah. We're talking about a team that we thought might have an outside shot at the playoffs and would be competing, competing with Florida State for the ACC this year, and now we're looking at them like, are they going to make a bowl? I used, I, I'm saying all of this to like take it back to the Dabo discussion right. of they don't make a bowl this year. There should be some serious conversations had. And frankly, his AD should be having not necessarily an ultimatum with him, but something along the lines of Dabo. You have to adapt to where the game is right. now. And where the game is now is transfer portal. See, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you on that. Because my, he's clearly not getting the talent he needs to get out no, of high school anymore. No, and, and here's my thing. Is is that because I think the, the, the conversation with the AD you just mentioned needs to happen. I think it has to happen. I think I would be shocked if it hasn't happened already. My only thing is he seems so set in his ways and that ego would get in. You think – I feel like if they have that conversation – 
his ego would still get in the way and he would hang it up before having to adapt. Because I, I think if he goes back on his words, he's going to feel like he's contradicting himself. And I, I just feel like there's a, a mind complex there. I don't know. I, I, I don't pay enough attention to Dabo on Clemson to, uh, to know if he's fair. either going to go like, well, at the end of the day, this is the business and it's what I need to do. And I'm going to try and do it in the best way that I can that, you know, prioritizes human beings and, mm. and all that, like kind of a person over player kind of thing, you know, but that adapting it. Wasn't trying to get into that. Um, <laughs> just like, I don't know if he's the kind of guy who's going to adapt and, and say what he needs to say to make those, make those changes mm. and like try and seem consistent or right. if he's going to be like, this isn't what I wanted to do. So yeah. if you don't want me, and no one else wants me, then I'll hang it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just. <laughs> it's not looking good for him right no, now. No, it's really not. Like, who, like, who's in a worse position right now? Like, just. At, this is what I thought Oklahoma State would be looking at this year, frankly. Great point. Great point. I really, I completely agree with you. I thought that him. It's and, really funny to watch a national championship winning coach putting himself frankly back into the conversation of like who is the better coach with a guy who hasn't won a natty right because usually that natty is just kind of like a yeah okay but rings but seriously i'm sitting here and i'm like gundy has had a lot of success at a program less known for success frankly than clemson yes and he's he keeps adapting it keeps rolling on they keep having shots at conference titles he needs to fucking win more of those right. but like i don't think it's a conversation you shouldn't have which I think is kind of, frankly, embarrassing for Dabo. Yeah. You should have more longevity if you're able to reach those heights. Yeah, I mean... Because it's not a scandal. No, but even like a few years ago, right? Like you had all the talk about Dabo was on top of the world and uh, he had Clemson humming and then it was... The, we always count down to Nick Saban's demise or his retirement or whatever and it was oh well Dabo is just going to swing dude if I'm Bama and I'm looking at them I'm like there's no way in hell I would consider Dabo to be a replacement for him I know I was, I was hoping you'd get there no way like, in hell dude well I don't think he's going to outlast Saban at I don't this think point. he is either that's the crazy that's another crazy that's point. what I mean that's with, insane like, the fact that we're like Dabo could be done in college football before Saban's done and like I'm not saying done, done. I mean, like, he could be easily you know, doing I, well yes. at a group of five school after this just because... He would honestly probably go to, like, coach high school. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying is, like, I can see Dabo being done in to as a top-level coach... I completely agree. ...in college football before Saban completely decides to agree. hang it up. Completely agree with you. And that is insane to think of. Like, him, Dabo, and Jimbo Fisher feel like they're in the same sinking boat right now. And I wouldn't go that far. I dude. I think there are two different sinking boats that are sinking. They, they, they the might be sinking. Speed. Yeah, they, they might I be sinking oppositely. The <laughs> but, they, but they're in these little P-Rows just out here sinking. But yeah, dude, it's uh, it's crazy to think of. it. I just, man, the fall of Clemson, it's it's kind of laughable, but it's it's sad too at the same time. Uh, the, the biggest game this weekend is not just Homer pick, but LSU and Bama. Oh, my God. You, what? You should have just said you want an SEC segment this week, man. I didn't. I was just looking you, at the best ten matchups. Look, okay. And what were the last three matchups? We've talked. Okay, so the other matchups on here are Texas and Kansas State. I think we went in at length. What? Or do you want to go? We can go in more at length. I'm just giving you credit. And, and we had Bedlam. And we had Bedlam. 
That was it. That was it. That was it. I'm not even going to touch. I'm not even going to touch A&M and Ole Miss. I don't want to touch that. Oh, my gosh, man. But I thought you were going to there for a sec. I'm just like, he's he's running through the SEC. No, like, I mean, because I was thinking, I was looking at this. There just are a lot of good SEC games. I mean, I think you have Washington and you and SC. Washington should beat them. Um, Oregon State, Colorado, who really cares? Like, uh, same thing with Penn State, Maryland. I mean, that's cute. Ohio State, Rutgers, who really? That shouldn't even be on here. <laughs> but Louisville, Virginia Tech, two one loss ACC. That should teams. be on here, but that's not on. That Louisville, what both of those teams, Virginia Tech. That's a battle for an ACC title game spot. Is what what Fry and them have been able to do at Virginia Tech has been so incredible. Like, and then just it's fun for me, and I, it's got it's probably fun for you as well. I, I don't know, but to watch Kyron Drones and, and see the success he's had out there. Time to watch. Okay, well, I've, I've caught a few of them, and it's been fun to watch him. I'm happy to see him having success up there in Blacksburg. But I will say if, if Louisville loses that game, everyone's lost because we've already seen Virginia Tech lose to Florida State. Yes. I don't think they're necessarily going to do any better in a rematch. No. And we, God, no. We won't get Louisville, Florida State, unless it happens in the title game. Yeah. Uh, so I, that, would be, that would be sad to me is not getting that game. I would agree with that. I would agree. I would hope you'd, you'd agree. But – all right, the biggest game of the weekend, Purdue Michigan. Yeah, yeah it's definitely <laughs> Purdue Michigan. I'm just definitely thinking, Purdue Michigan. Also, we haven't talked about Washington USC much. Okay, Washington USC. No, no, let's talk Washington, about. No, you're no, right. No, no, no. no, you're right. LSU Bama is the biggest game of the week. <laughs> Man, you found a way to make me say it. Okay. Oh, I did. You liked that, huh? I did uh, not like that. But no, you, hey, yeah, not. you did. You enjoyed your night in Death Valley. You the real Death Valley. You had fun down yeah, but there. There's one in there. <laughs> It's a Brian Denny. I know. And, and, and Bama has not looked good at Brian Denny. I know it took a miracle. I wouldn't say a miracle. It took a um, a second-half comeback to put Tennessee to bed. And I was totally wrong on my philosophy of not picking teams to win after they played Bama. Like, Tennessee made me look like a fool with Kentucky, and Kentucky looked like crap in that game. That was stupid. But I don't know what about Kentucky told you they were going to win. I just thought – I thought that I don't, don't pick what team's going to lose. Pick what team's going to win. I know. I know. I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid and my own backwards ass philosophy of not picking teams after they play Bama. Um, and it bit me, but LSU rolls into Bryant Denny this year. LSU has the best offense in the nation. Their defense sucks. And Bama, while they don't have the talent, I don't, it, it's crazy. I don't think Bama talent wise can match up with LSU at all. But the coaching scares the hell out of me because LSU beat Alabama last year. Nick Saban does not lose to teams in back-to-back years. He's already got one loss at home this year. And I don't I couldn't tell you the last time Bama lost two home games in a season. I, I just there's no way I could tell you that. I, it's I, it's an unreal to even think about. How often do they lose more than one game in a, a year. regular season? I know. I know. Like Usually, if they get that second loss, it's on a neutral field. Yeah, and and that's very rare. Um, this game scares the hell out of me. I I just I don't see Bama's defense being able to slow down Jaden Daniels, and he right now has made a case which a lot of people have him as in the running for the Heisman leader. I don't think he has that signature win, and I think that's kind of what's hindering him for that. If he gets this while Bama is still down. I think that would be the signature win that could make a case for him to be the Heisman uh, front runner. 
I mean, but dude, this matchup scares me. I'll I'll say my bit about this game. Then I'd love to get into the Heisman stuff real quick. Yeah, because um, I don't know who who really should be considered the leader for that. Right. Um, I don't like the the matchup for LSU simply because I think you're putting the weak point for both teams against each other: defense versus yep. Alabama's offense, and. I like the coach on one sideline better than I like the coach on the other. Me too. Not like I am not impressed by Brian Kelly sometimes, but it's a sometimes thing. Very sometimes. Like last year, I was like, oh, shoot. He found a way to beat Bama ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. Ahead of, very ahead of schedule. So, like, if they had lost last year and then not like – you know that they're going to beat. It's just like it would. It would have made more sense if like they lost that game last year. They look like they're building this year, and they find a way to do it, right. even though it's at Bama. It's just it's at Bama. The better coach is on the Bama sideline. The weaknesses match up, which means I think it's going to come down to coaching. Yes, it's just like it can go either way. It's LSU Bama. It well, just does not feel like anything's lining up for it to go LSU's way. I don't, I, and I agree with you because I, through the course of and this is what. What's nerve made me nervous about bringing Brian Kelly over was if you go back and look at his whole tenure, whether it was at Cincinnati or what he had, and I know he's the winningest coach, which is freaking insane to think of the winningest coach at Notre Dame. But every time there was a big game, he cannot like he he does not win the big game. You look at the past two years, um, you've lost to Florida State, which were a crucial game, not crucial, but the bigger matchups on your schedule, you just don't live up to it. Um that's just kind of the, the where I'm at with him, man. Like I'm, I'm, I don't trust him in big situations, and that's what makes me nervous about the trajectory of LSU with him because I think they're going to win a lot of games year in and year out, and they're going to make a lot of New Year Six games or whatever. But I don't know when it comes down to like alpha versus alpha for a natty if he's got what it takes from a coaching standpoint to get them over the hump, and that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think that was one of his biggest problems with Notre Dame is he couldn't he couldn't absolutely really, he didn't look like he was going to get them over the hump. Um, I think it's especially damning to think like, hey, he's got he's got a guy who's a Heisman candidate at quarterback, and you're still questioning if he can get a team over the hump. Well, I know the problem seems to be mostly on the other side of the ball, um, but I digress because I do want to get into the kind of that Heisman conversation and like. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I, I I watched a whole in LSU game where the offense was going off, and I wasn't sitting there being like, "Yeah, this is the best player in the nation." Right. But then again, who who's supposed to be better? Well, do you want to take a? Do, let's just finish it out. Let's not break. Okay. So right now, I think you can make a case that Marvin Harrison Jr. should be. I yeah. think you can make a case for either Jordan Travis or Keon Coleman. I think both of those. I think the fact that you can make a case for both hurts the case for both. That's okay. That's the thing. And I think, given that, Frankly, I think Jordan I think Travis. But see, that's the thing. I think the Heisman, nine times out of 10, it's going to be a quarterback, right? Yes. And while Coleman, I would agree with you. I would, I would think. I think that I would rather see Coleman win it than Travis, but you're going to have people say. I think Coleman means more to that connection. The problem is, I don't think he's going to outperform Marvin Harrison Jr. Exactly. Which means, he's and then not they're, win the you're going to have people arguing. Well, so I don't think either of them is going to win the Heisman. I, frankly, I'm, I appreciate you you bringing Harrison Jr. into the discussion because, like, he might be he might be my lead candidate. I think he is such a massive help to a quarterback who is not necessarily yes. at the Ohio State standard. Yes, 
The problem is I still feel like they have to win the game this year for him to win the Heisman. Right. No, I would agree with that. Which I'm saying this because I am not a fan of the Heisman Trophy and the way it's awarded. I, I've i been out on that trophy since McCaffrey lost to Derrick Henry. Completely. I, I would agree with that. 1,000%. Real quick, my spiel on that is Leonard Fournette had super similar numbers, like negligibly off numbers on a worse team in the same division of the same conference. Yes. Meanwhile, Caffrey put up better numbers. And did it in multiple phases of the game. And you want to tell me that McCaffrey didn't have a worse team around him Hell while yeah, putting he up better numbers? Like, of course he... That's what I'm saying. He's like, you made it too much of a team award. Yes. And yes. too much of a brand award with, with Henry. And I don't feel like they've come back from that. I agree. And that's what's got me... Ner- that's Not what- like Derrick Henry isn't an amazing back. No, but they were. There. That was like a, a s- super team. And I just don't think like it, it's it, the Fournette is the is the is the bit of that that like puts me over the edge of like I they can't come back from this because if Fournette didn't exist and didn't put up similar numbers I on would, the worst team in the same division, then it would be tougher for me to be so mad about it. Okay, and I here t- another and along that same mindset of what's made me not really like the Heisman is Tyron Matthew. Dude, at LSU, Tyron Matthew was returning kicks left and right. He was causing, like, he would make the most ridiculous plays you've ever seen on defense. Okay, what one year and who won the Heisman that year? That would have been his sophomore. It was when he, he, it was a sophomore year. He went to number seven from 14. And, oh, my God, I'd have to look up who won. I believe it was, uh, I cannot remember. But he was in the mix, but he did so much. And the fact that he wasn't an offensive player, um, that just kind of screwed the 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 pooch for me. And then you've had other guys come along, like I think you could have made Davian Clowney had a, a case for it on defense. Um RG three won it. Yeah. Yeah, get out of here with that. No. Get out of here. With I'm that. not. That was the twenty eleven Heisman. Whatever. I think no. Tyron Matthew could have had a case for that one. That is a homer pick. No, I stand by that. Anyway, I think he could have. But in the mix, yes. RG3 had one good throw against Oklahoma. I, I, love, I love when guys who aren't typically in the conversation, like positions that aren't typically right. in the conversation, get into the conversation. But miss me with that one. That was a great, great year for the Heisman Trophy. It really. Who was? Who else was in there? Do you have the like, Andrew Luck? Yep. That's all you need to know. I don't care. So There's two quarterbacks. Anyway, so I think as far as other players this year, uh, Ollie Gordon. Let's start there. Ollie Gordon should be in the mix, and Absolutely. the fact that he's not like so right now on three has a hot board out, and if you go through and look at it. Ollie Gordon's nowhere near there. Ollie Gordon is putting up numbers that Oklahoma State hasn't seen since Barry Sanders. Um, to me, I think he's making a case to be the best running back in the nation. Um, there's no way in he's hell leading the nation in yes, rushing yards. Oklahoma right now. State would not be even in the remote conversation of winning without Ollie Gordon. He's only three touchdowns off the lead in rushing touchdowns, too. Yes, and this is after like. He got a slow start. Yes. And I think if they 
right now, to me, they don't have a signature win, right? And that's what that's another thing that pisses me off. You all, you could like going back to McCaffrey, right? You got to have a signature win somehow to be on this list, which is crap. Yeah, it, it's but if he goes off against Oklahoma, just values the team yes outcomes too much, which it's part of why I'm amazed, frankly, that RG three won it because right. that team was not like an amazing team, correct? So. I, I digress, but because, yeah, no, but this is not about that. But I think that the the you have the perfect storm coming up this weekend for Ollie Gordon because you are the best the back in the nation. Like I said, you're the best back at your school since freaking Barry Sanders, and you're going into Bedlam. It's the final game. If he goes off against Oklahoma and he continues to put up numbers the rest of this year, and he doesn't win the Heisman, then that needs to be like revisited and restructured or something because he would completely get hosed, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean he he's he's at least got to be in New York for the ceremony yes. because like that is the level he's on right now. Just because he wasn't hyped coming into the year, just because he isn't at one of the biggest brand colleges, like man, if if this cat goes for like sixteen hundred yards and is in the top ten of rushing touchdowns in the nation on that team yes. that had such low expectations and is outperforming them, he's literally carrying them. Like I I I don't know another. He also watch the games. He just looks the part. His like, stiff arms are stupid, dude. He, he, he's, not, he's not shifty like Barry Sanders or anything. Like he looks more like a power back, but he's got the speed to finish off these long runs. Like yes, it. Yeah, he he is a he's a dark horse Heisman guy that like should be getting more love. Yeah, I think obviously Bo Nix is going to get his JJ uh, McCarty's. You could throw him in the mix. I think Blake Corum is like the fact that he fell off the map this year is kind of strange to me. But yeah, to me, I think Ollie Gordon has the best case. Him and Jaden Daniels have the best case right now, in my opinions. And ultimately, if I had to vote, I would vote for Ollie Gordon. I think I think I'd vote for for Ollie Gordon. I don't have a vote. Don't really want to. I know. Um because I can't change that whole award. But if I had to bet on things right now, man. I just don't see them, even if Ohio State loses the game, I don't see them going past Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. I know it's it's tough to say a receiver's going to win again just because of how quarterback dominant right. this whole thing is, which is also what's hold, what could be holding Ollie Gordon back because we're in the age of the receiver compared to the age of the running back. Which should make a more of an impressive case for what he's doing. Yes, I know, but people aren't going to think like I that. I know, and that's the, ugh, that's the stupid part of it. Anyway, um, I feel like... We haven't really gotten into the CFP stuff this week. We don't have time. Yeah, no, we'll do that next week. the first round of CFP rankings come out uh, tomorrow, I believe. So we'll dive into that next week, and I think it's going to become kind of a weekly recurring thing where we, like, we look at the previous week's rankings and we look at the previous week's results and we say, hey, this is what we believe this week's ranking should be, and then we'll be outraged the next week when they're not because the committee's stupid. And they'll have some bullshit excuse of, they they pick what they do and everything I, else. I cannot wait for the conversations of that's bullshit. My team's ranked 18th and they should uh, be 12th. I feel like that's going to be a hell of a lot more fun. No, honestly, no, I, 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 I get it because I agree. it's going to feel so much less like brand based. Right. It's going to feel more maybe conference brand based, but I think I can actually deal with that much easier. Right. Anyway, 
You want to wrap it up? Yep. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Like we said, make sure you go and hit like and subscribe on YouTube as we continue to grow this bad boy. We're up over 12,000 subscribers right now. Make sure you check out Josh Neighbors and the Neighborhood Watch, as well as what Grayson brings to you uh, throughout the week on the Crystal Ball College Football channel. Uh, but this has been the College Chaos Podcast. We'll be back with you again next week. We out.